Welcome to the JMP Cast. I'm your host, Josiah Michael Pyatt. This podcast is centered around the question what does it look like to live in our identity in Christ and to actively participate in the Father's kingdom that's in our midst? On today's episode, we dive into the first warning that Paul presents to this church in Colossae. So in the last episode, we discovered that this mystery has been revealed. Paul is telling the church in Colossae that that Christ has come and he has forgiven our sins and that it is Christ that dwells in us that is the hope of glory. This mystery has been one for generation and generations. It's something that no one could have guessed. It was something that no one knew was going to happen. But through Jesus, this mystery has been revealed. And through the cross, it has been accomplished. That crisis, that Jesus Christ dwells in those who are following him. So now after this climatic moment in this letter, Paul is going to shift the camera. If this letter was a panoramic photo like we've talked about in previous episodes, he's moving that camera to a different angle now and he's showing us a different part of the same picture. And this part is one of warning. You see, Paul is not naive. He knows that as as we have experienced these things in Christ, that as we've heard these things, as we've received these things, as we start knowing and growing and showing that there are going to be things that come against us. Before we get into this episode, I want to ask this question to you. Within your own experience with walking with Jesus, I'm curious, what do you think Paul is going to say is the biggest threat against you and I growing in our faith in Jesus Christ? Who or what do you think Paul sees when he sees this church in Colossae? Who do you think he's going to warn them about first? You see, Paul is going to go through a huge list that we're going to be working through in the next couple of weeks, and maybe it will take a month. I'm not sure. But I want us to ask this question. Who do you think Paul is going to warn us about first? Because the answer to this question might surprise you. I know it surprised me when I read it. So let's read. So this is Colossians chapter 1 verses 28 and we're going to go to chapter 2 verses 5 but we'll kind of take it in sections. This is the English Standard Version. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of the full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ in whom are all hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So before Paul goes into the specific warning, He reminds this church of the things that he's already been saying throughout this whole letter. You see, Paul is reminding this church that Christ has delivered them from the dominion of darkness, that he has transferred them into the kingdom of the Father, that they are now in Christ, holy, blameless, and above reproach, and that this knowing of this experience of Christ is going to be showing in them through their steadfastness and in their stableness that builds in their trust in Christ. 
Paul is reminding them that Jesus is the image of God, that by him and through him and for him are all things. He is before all things. He is sustainer of all things. And it's through him that the reconciliation has occurred. It's through his blood that was spilled that peace has been made. For you and for me, this reconciliation is personal. It's intimate. In fact, Paul goes as far as to say that it is Christ dwelling within us. If we want to grow in our relationship with Jesus, if we want to know him more, and we want that to be shown in our life, that can only happen when Christ dwells within us. So Paul in this brief little section has reminded the church of what he's already been saying to us the whole time. But now we're going to see this warning kind of shift and go into full focus on this specific area. Let's read this. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Paul is saying that as we know Christ, as we grow in him, and as that begins to show, there are going to be people around us who give us plausible arguments of why what we've experienced and why and the ways that we're showing Christ, how it can be wrong. Now, here's where it gets interesting. Paul is saying that these arguments are going to be coming from other followers of Jesus. That's right. Christians. Paul begins this warning not with a warning about being distracted by the culture in Colossae, not with the warning of being aware of the temptations that are in your heart, not with the warning of the teachings of the days and not adopting them. But no, when Paul sees this church and he thinks of the greatest threat that he sees against their growth in Christ, he says that it's actually going to be hindered or potentially hindered through other followers of Jesus. Now, to be clear, if you stick with us for the next week or month or so, as we go through this passage, he will warn us about what's going on in the city, the philosophy of the day, the desires of our hearts, where our eyes are, all those things. But what's interesting to me is that Paul doesn't begin with those places. Instead, he begins with this idea that there are going to be other followers of Jesus that are going to come against us as we grow, know, and show Christ. Before we go any farther, I would like to make something very clear. Paul in other places in the New Testament, and this isn't just a Paul idea, this is all over the New Testament, there's this, there's this understanding that as followers of Jesus, we are to submit under spiritual fathers and mothers, elders and deacons. And so when Paul says that there's other followers of Jesus that are going to come against you, he is not talking about an elder or a deacon or a spiritual mother or father that is correcting a behavior that they see in you or a belief that you have in Christ. Why I say this is that for some of us listening to this, we don't have spiritual mothers and fathers in our life. And I believe it's really important for us if we're wanting to grow deeper in Christ that we find men and women that have been walking with Jesus for years longer than what we have that we trust. And the important thing is that we trust their walk with Christ. And that we submit under them our hearts, that we submit to their guidance, to their discernment. 
And so if someone that you've submitted to is saying something that you have believed or experienced or are doing is wrong, we need to take that to heart and with them we need to discern and pray about what's going on. This is not the people that Paul is identifying as threats for you and for me. However, there may be a time in our walk with Jesus where pastors and leaders and different people and even elders and deacons in other churches or other places are going to look at your life and and find offense in it and give you arguments of why what you're believing and what you're experiencing is wrong. Paul is warning against those people, but it's super important to understand that as followers of Jesus, we are to have certain men and women that we trust over us that help us discern these things. So now we can go back into the warning, but I just wanted to make that clear before we go into these examples and stuff. Paul is warning us to watch out for the opinions that may come from other followers of Jesus as they see us experience Christ dwelling and the transformation that comes from this. You know, I've noticed something about our current Christian culture in Canada. Followers of Jesus don't get offended or defensive by the beliefs that you and I have in our hearts. Offense and defense comes when we take action on the things that we say we believe. This action can be as simple as sharing experiences that we have with Christ And it can go as far as the actions that we feel called to do or the things that we are actually living, the lifestyle that we're living in Christ. But the thing that I've noticed is that if we if we just say we believe things in our hearts, it doesn't really make a difference. It's when we act on these beliefs that things start happening, both in the good and of experiencing him and growing deeper, but also in what Paul's talking to us about, about people coming against us. Paul doesn't see this as a hypothetical situation. He sees this as something that we, as followers of Jesus, can expect to experience from other followers of Jesus. Paul isn't saying this lightly, but he says this as a legitimate threat against you and I growing in Christ. And I mean, when you think about it, it makes sense because you and I are meant to follow Jesus in community. And so, of course, if there's people in our community that seem against us in the name of Jesus, we're going to take that into consideration. We're going to really be concerned about that. And I have a feeling that there's some people listening to this that have actually experienced this. And I want you to know that unless this was someone that you trust their walk with Jesus, you need to let it go. Don't let their words stop you. We're going to go into deeper, uh, we're going to go in a little bit later of why they may be coming against you. But before we do that, I want us to just think about some plausible arguments that you and I may have heard um, as we walk with Jesus. So I've come up with a list. This is no way exhaustive, but this is actual things that I've heard people speak against me and things that I've heard people speak against other followers of Jesus as they grow and as they learn and as they experience new things in Christ. So here's the list. You can't actually hear from God directly. There's no way God told you to do that. You shouldn't actually be loving those people. You're excited for Jesus now. Just wait till life hits you. Your excitement will die down. You're passionate because you're young. I used to be that way, but you'll see things will change. 
Why have you become so legalistic? You used to have no problem drinking to get buzzed. It's not like we are getting drunk. You used to have no problem watching that show on Netflix or listening to that music. You're becoming so legalistic and judgmental. You used to always know the latest scoop of drama going on with our friend's life. We're just talking. There's nothing wrong with that. You can't actually change. You will always be angry, lustful, fearful, depressed, addicted, broken, fill in your blank. I mean, you might grow in some of these areas, of course, but you can't expect to be fully healed, at least not until we're in heaven. It's just sex. It's 2020. Jesus doesn't actually expect us to not have sexual experiences outside of marriage. Jesus doesn't actually expect us to do that. But this pastor or this church or this scholar says this about that subject. The examples could go on and on, but the question that I want us to ask as we finish looking at this passage is why is Paul warning them and how is he asking this church to respond to these people? So what's interesting to me is when we read this section, he actually bookends it with with two points that I think are so important for us to understand. The first point is this. He says, I'll read it to you. This is verse 28. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. So Paul is warning this church in Colossae and you and me because he wants us to be mature in Christ. Now the implications of this statement is really interesting to me. You see, in some ways we can look at this and say, if there are followers of Jesus that are coming to us, giving us arguments that are offended by the ways that of the ways that we are experiencing Jesus in our life or the ways that we're showing Jesus in our life, it's actually probably a sign that we have become mature in Christ. The other thing that this makes me think about is that I think sometimes what can happen, we've talked about this idea before in this letter, which is that there comes a point in our relationship with Jesus where it's less about us and more about him. And as we make it more about him, it begins to show in the way that we serve and love others. And as we do that, the ironic thing is we actually get more of him and we get to experience him more. And so what I think what can happen is that there's Christians who are following Jesus with with this intent of what can they get from Jesus and they haven't shifted into this next place that that we're all to go to as followers of Jesus where it's less about us and more about him and others. And so what can happen is especially if they're been walking with Jesus a bit longer than you or me they can look at what we're experiencing or what we're doing and be offended by it because because they're not there. Because they know deep down in their heart that they should be there, and yet they're not. So our maturity ends up being the thing that offends others who are immature, and a lot of times that can come from people who have actually been walking with Jesus or people who are older than us. The third thing that I see within this is that these moments can actually create maturity in us in Christ. So don't be surprised If people come against you with plausible arguments, don't be surprised when that happens, but look at it as an opportunity to mature in your relationship with Jesus. 
In other words, don't respond in a way that would retract the maturity that you have in Christ. And this is where I want to finish today. You see, Paul finishes this, this, this section and he says this, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. So these are coming from followers of Jesus, right? For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing. Why is he rejoicing? He's rejoicing because he's going to see their good order and the firmness of their faith in Christ. This language of good order and firmness of Christ needs to be almost like a triggering phrase to let us think about what he's already told us within this letter. You see, what did he say? When we know Christ, we learn that we are holy, blameless, and above reproach. And then how is that shown in our life? Through stableness and steadfastness in our faith in Christ. You see, to see us in good order and to see us firm in our faith is a reiteration of what Paul has already told us what happens when we know him and we show him. So in other words, Paul is saying, if there are followers of Jesus that are coming against us with arguments about the things that we're experiencing, the things that we're doing, all those kinds of things, Paul is saying to us to keep running, to keep going, to press in farther. Don't be discouraged, but be encouraged because it means that you're actually maturing in him and that through this, you're actually going to become stronger and you're going to be even more stable. Your trust in Christ is going to grow through these experiences. He's not asking you and I to defend ourselves. Remember, we are in Christ. We have been freed from sin. We have been made new. We are wholly blameless and above reproach. Why do we have to defend ourselves against other followers of Jesus? Defense in this context only comes from a place of insecurity as opposed to being a place of security. Paul is telling us if other followers of Jesus are offended by what we are doing, that respectfully and in maturity, we just keep doing the things that he is calling us to do. He's not asking us to argue with these people. He's asking us to be faithful to the things that Christ has called us to do. Stay firm. Keep running. Don't be surprised that if you start actually reprioritizing your life in the way that you spend your time, your money, the abilities that you have, your desires, your passions, the actions that Christ reveals to you to take, in who he says you are and the role that you are to play, that as you are walking in him, do not be surprised if other Christians start becoming offended by the things that you are saying or the things that you are doing. Stay firm. Keep running. You're on the right track. You're maturing in Christ. This is all part of the gig. This is what is to be expected when we give Jesus our full yes. Again, it is so important that we understand he is not talking about men and women that we trust that are above us, that are giving us a scriptural rebuking of the things that we are believing or the things that we are doing. He is talking about the everyday follower of Jesus. So in closing today, I think that this reminder that Paul is inviting us into this this thing that Jesus is highlighting for us to remember today is that as we grow in him, 
And as we know him and as we experience him in new ways, that we would just be mindful, be watchful, be cautious, that there may be conversations that come out of these things with other followers of Jesus, where they're going to give us arguments that, that are not going to be helpful for us as we journey with him. It's important to be careful of the voices that we are listening to. But there's also this good news in this, and that is that as these arguments are coming in, as offense may begin to rise, there's this truth too that our maturity in Christ is growing, that we are actually growing in Him, that this is part of the gig, this is part of the story of following Jesus. And it's not a fun part, but it is a part nonetheless. I have a feeling that for some of us listening to this today, that this might there might be a light bulb moment going on when you reflect on the things that you've experienced as you've grown deeper with Christ. You may be thinking back to different moments of your life and thinking about different conversations that you've had with followers of Jesus through those moments. Or maybe even right now, You've been saying yes to Jesus in a new way. You've been saying yes to him in this growing and this knowing and these things that we've been talking about in this book in Colossians. And, and there now begins to these conversations that you're having with Christians that you know around you. Just be mindful. Be careful. Don't take every Christian's advice to heart. I know that sounds weird, but it's true. Paul is telling us to be careful. He's warning us. He's saying these things are going to happen. Don't be surprised. Be aware. But he's also not wanting us to give these arguments more power than they deserve. You're going to see this theme over and over as Paul, you see, Paul's going to transition from this part. We'll look at it in the next episode with different things about uh, different things that are going to come and distract us, different things that are going to come against us in our knowing and growing. It's not just Christians that we have to be watchful for. But the thing that we have to, we're going to see continually through his warning is that he doesn't give these things more power than they deserve. He always will bring it back to Christ. You see, even in this, he's reminded us to be mature in Christ, to be firm in him, because what Jesus has done is enough. His blood speaks a better word over our life. There is a peace and there is a grace that we have experienced in him. So run in courage, my brothers and sisters, run in faith, knowing that he is good, knowing that he is trustworthy, knowing that his love is real. The things that you've experienced in him are real. Don't let anyone take that from you. He has you, he is for you, and he has called you into this generation. Let us run in faith and in courage through the leading of the Holy Spirit as brothers and sisters united in Christ. Jesus has been, he is, and he will be enough. Would we remember that today? And would we walk in that truth? Well, thank you for listening to today's episode. I don't know if you're like me, but when I studied this and learned about this warning, it really did surprise me. But then when I took a moment to look back at my life, I realized, oh, this makes total sense. Regardless of where you're coming from today, I hope something in this has encouraged you. If you're wanting to stay connected, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the JMPcast. I hope you'll consider joining me as we continue to dive through this letter as we ask this question, 
What does it look like to live in our identity in Christ and to actively participate in the Father's kingdom that's in our midst? Have an awesome day.